Awesome. Well, um, I like what Ali said, you know, about our revolution. And, and um, you know, one of the questions I ask myself all the time is, uh, how big is a big crowd? And, and how, big, how big is a big number? And I don't know, there might be 50 people here uh, tonight. And you can sort of think, well, is 50 people a big number? If we're going to be asking a question like, uh, how, how can, or can one person really change the world? Uh, when we think about revolution, we often think about big mass movements, you know, uh, a million people at the Washington uh, Monument or uh, a, a big movement like, uh, you know, 500 million people on Facebook. That's a lot of people, right? But actually, uh, revolutions don't happen with large crowds of people. Uh, you know, there was a million people at the Washington Monument when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said that, I have a dream. But there was only one old lady on a bus who actually started that dream, who began that process. And, you know, the reality is tonight is a moment. And, uh, and uh, you know, a moment, you know, tonight, tonight's a moment. You know, here we are, we're here, and I'm going to be talking for about 25 minutes and uh, we sung a few songs, and then we smashed eggs. <laughs> you know, we had a little bit of sugar, and we had some coffee. But, you know, I really believe that, that, that a whole lot of moments in life are the moments that we've been waiting for. And, you know, I, really, I also believe that tonight is a moment, and tonight is the moment you've been waiting for. But, you know, the moment that you've been waiting for, the moments that you wait for, the moments that change your life, you know, you don't know that they were the moment that you were waiting for beforehand. You know about it afterhand. Afterhand? Ah, you know about it later. But, you know, let's be fair. If, if, if you're waiting for the bus and the bus arrives, you know that that was the moment you've been waiting for, right? But actually, in, in the big things in life, the moments that be, we've been waiting for sort of jump upon us. They sort of sneak upon us. And we live our lives in the darkness. We live our lives in the night. We live our lives wondering about how things work. We live our lives wondering about the future. But every now and then, moments happen that give us clarity. Moments happen where we start to realize things like purpose. We start to realize things like destiny. Um, you know, previously we see things only in a reflection, but after a moment that changes our life, now we see things like full color. Now we see things like they really are. You know, when you used, when you thought you were smart, then you learn something and you think, man, I, looking back, I realized I was quite stupid. How do you even know that, you know? Uh, but at the moment, at the time, you thought you were awesome. But when things progress, you start to see things differently. You start to understand things more fully. And tonight, I really believe tonight is a moment, and it's the moment that you've been waiting for. It's the moment that you've been waiting for where you can start to say things like, I am brave. I am fearless. In your love, I'm courageous. We can start to say things like, I can really change the world because of a moment, a moment where God speaks to us, a moment where we see something new, a moment where that we've been waiting for, a moment that changes our life, you know. If I think about my life, uh, probably the most significant moments are, are, are just like that. They're moments that sneak up on you. You know, there's some people who are older than me here. There's people who are younger than me. But all of us have had moments when we reflect back, they sort of sneak up on you. And I can remember um, uh, uh, 12 years ago now, uh, uh, Chrissy, my wife, was pregnant with our first uh, baby, our daughter, Madeline. And, you know, um, I don't know if you've got friends who have had babies or, or you've, when you've had kids yourself, maybe. Uh, there's a whole lot of preparation that goes on, right? And so the, the mum and the, you know, the mum who's having the baby, right, uh, they're sort of more aware of what's going on than the dad, Right, you know, so the, the, the mum is sort of a little bit more connected to the reality of it than the dad. For the dad, it's just like, okay, 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. But for, for the mum, it's like, uh, you know, it's uh, breakfast and then vomiting and then breakfast again, then vomiting and then breakfast again, then vomiting for a few months or, or nine months, you know what I mean? For the mum, it's, you know, every, every joint loosens up. You know, your, your body makes liters and liters more blood. You grow uh, three times your original size, right? But for the, but for the dad, it's, just still, it's still just like, Oh, yeah? Do you know what I mean? And you know that there's something coming, and you sort of know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your life forever or it's going to change your life forever. And you know that there's this, this thing about to happen, but you can't really connect with it. You don't really understand it. You don't really know what's going on. And then the moment, the moment that you've been waiting for, the moment arrives, right, and there's all this panic, and, and then, then mom again, she has to work pretty hard. Well, pretty much as hard as anyone's ever worked before. Right, and the mum has to give birth to this baby, and it's you know you see I don't know if you've ever seen that. Sometimes you have a, like a, a scene in a movie. A real birth is not like that. You wouldn't be allowed to have a, a real birth in the movies, right? And again, you know the mum you know is is fully engaged, fully aware of what's going on, uh, and the dad is still doing this. You know, even if you're like, oh, I'm a pretty involved sort of a guy, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm pretty into life, and right, even doesn't matter how into it you are, there's nothing you can do to help, there's nothing you can do to understand, you just have to wait, like a person waiting for the bus, you can't make a bus go faster, you don't know who else is on the bus, you don't really know where the bus is going for sure, well, you should know, but you don't to start with, right? But you just wait. And the moments that we've been waiting for, often we're just like that. You're just like me. Oh, you don't know what's about to happen. You, know, you don't know what's about to come. But the reality is once you hold a baby in your hands, for most guys, it's the first time they've ever held a baby. Right? Because they have to, right? It's your baby. And the, the doctors say things, or the midwife says things like this, would you like to cut the umbilical cord? And I just said this, no. I'm a school teacher. I'm not asking you to teach people how to read, right? I'll teach the baby how to read. You do the medical thing because you've done all that training, right? You've got insurance, right? Would you like to cut the umbilical cord? No. I don't even want you to say the word umbilical cord in my hearing. But you hold the baby and you look down at this baby and, you know, brand new babies, their faces all, with good reason, their faces all squashed up. And they've got little eyes and funny-shaped heads. And, and you look down at the little baby. And you know, if I close my eyes now, I can still see her. Just little scrunched-up eyes, tiny little face. Her head fit in my hand there, and her feet finished there. She had a little yellow hat. The hat was about this big, but sort of dripped down over her eyes. She wasn't, she wasn't a very large person. Well, she's not a very large person now. She was quite small then. But, you know, driving home, I could, I, all I could see was this baby's face. Lying in my bed that night trying to go to sleep, all I could see is this baby's face. And still now I close my eyes. And this was a moment, and was a moment that I'd been waiting for without knowing that I was waiting for it. It's a moment that changed my life without realizing that my life needed to change. It's a moment that changed my life into something that I, I knew the name of. I knew, what, the, I knew the name fatherhood. I knew that, I knew that was this thing called fatherhood, but when the moment happened where I changed from just being another guy going like this to being someone who was someone else's dad, 
See, everything changed for me in a moment. I, I, I didn't have nine months to build up to it. I had nine months to go. I, but I just had a moment. Now I'm a dad. Now everything changes. Now I need to start saving money. Now I need to, to get a gun license and a shotgun. Right, everything changes when the moment happens, a moment that changes your life. Now, see, the, re- the reality is moments, see, things happen, moments happen. Uh, uh, God intervenes in our circumstance, in our situation. Life even just happens in our situation, and moments happen that change us and transform us, things that we've been waiting for. I want to read you just a bit from the Bible. And some people talk about Christianity like it's confusing. Some people talk about Christianity like it's sort of irrelevant. But if you read about Christianity in terms of the people, the first people who wrote about it, uh, it's neither confusing or irrelevant. It's deeply relevant to every human being, and it's super simple, right? We're going to put the words up there so you can read it as well, but I'll read it too, and you can just listen because I'm like a real good reader. It says this. This is in the book of John, who was one of Jesus' best friends. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son. His one and only Son. So this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why He did it. So that no one needs to be destroyed. By believing in Him, that's His Son, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. Is it confusing so far? This is how much God loved us. He gave us His Son so that no one has to be destroyed. But that anyone who believes in Him can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. Instead, He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in Him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in Him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind Son of God when He was introduced to Him. This is the crisis we live in. This is the crisis that we live in. God light has streamed into the world. Men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil is addicted to denial and delusion. They hate God, the Godlight, and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God's light so that the work, their work can be seen for the God work it is. See, it's not confusing, and it's not irrelevant. It's relevant to every human being. See, throughout human history, the whole of our devotion, the whole of our efforts pursuing God are are, are, are all about trying to get to the light, trying to get to understanding, trying to get to revelation, trying to get to God's power, right? I'm going to draw you a diagram to show you what I mean, right? But it's not confusing, right? Here we go. We've got a whiteboard coming. I know it's an invisible whiteboard. Ah, no, there it is, there it is, there. Very, very cool. Now, if you weren't excited already, you should because this is a dangerous whiteboard stand. Cool. I'm just going to rub this one off because that was my practice from earlier. Very, very cool. That's good. Thanks, Ari. 
Awesome. So this is how much God loved us. He sent us his son so that no one needs to be destroyed, but that this God light has shone into the universe and a whole bunch of people ran for darkness, but mainly because they were just scared of the light, right? So I'm going to draw you. This is, this is my picture, okay, of the cosmos. I haven't stolen this from anyone else, and you'll tell because it's not a very clever picture, right? This is the whole cosmos, right? Uh, this is how the cosmos works, right? And so uh, when uh, humans came and arose on the earth, created by God, uh, they, they, humanity throughout history and every culture has observed things that are going on in the world, right? So in the cosmos, we observe trees. I'm going to draw a tree for you. We observe trees and then multiple trees making in, uh, a, um, like a forest, like so. Everyone get this, a forest. And a little bit of, so do some shrubs. And now we need to do like a bird in the tree. I can only draw flying birds though, so it's going to be, it's a bird. These are scary birds flying straight through a tree. Right, like the, the, the anyway, uh, there's a forest, and then uh, also we'd observed if we were like if we were really observant, we might observe flowing out of the flowing out of the forest. We'll observe a river, uh, not closely enough that we could then draw it later, but we'd observe it, uh, and we'd just see a river and we'd see a lake, and then we might see even the ocean, which we can draw stylistically like that. It didn't seem like supportive laughter. I'm going to try it again. Um, the uh, you might see like a we might observe the ocean. Oh, this. <laughs> okay, this is last time where it's going to get really bad. Um, okay, we might see the ocean. That's just the water in your ears, John. The um. So there's the ocean, right? Uh, so we got rivers, we got oceans, and and then. <coughs> And we learn we learn how to make we learn how to grow crops or whatever, and so we plant crops and we grow wheat. And then then we realized that it was the sun that was like shining, shiny shine. The sun. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna label that in case there's confusion. And we realized that it was the sun shining that helped the wheat grow, and the river was helping the wheat grow as well. And because we're observant, we realized our dependence upon the forest, and we needed the river for water, and we needed the sun to help our wheat grow, and we needed the the ocean to keep producing fish. We didn't understand that the fish were producing another fish. That's a bit of science there. We just knew that they were coming out of the ocean. And so what we started to do was we started to thank the forest for the birds that we. We found there and the wood that we could find. We started to thank the river for giving us water. We started to thank the sun because it's like, man, thank goodness for the sun. And then it's like, well, thank you, sun. It was like a little bit of a jump. And we started to worship. And this is called animism, right? And I don't know how to spell it, but uh, it's okay because you guys are mostly far away. You can't read it. Animism, right? And where we start to animate every all the processes that maybe we see now as physical, you might see them as physical now, but we start to animate them and we start to worship the gods, G-O-D-S, the little G-O-D-S's, like the god of the forest, the god of the river, the god of the stick things, the god of the ocean and the, and the sun, or maybe we worship the moon because the moon keeps telling us what the date is and all that sort of stuff, and we start to animate these things and we start to give them sort of life and we start to understand that there's something quite cool about them, Right? 
Cool. And so we have this animism or polytheism, these many, many gods. And you can see animism, you can see polytheism in sort of every original culture in the world where people got confused about all the things they could see and they started to think, man, we need to worship these things, right? See, what would happen is that the ocean would get angry and it would crash in and destroy our village. And then we think, man, the ocean's angry, so we need to start making sacrifices to the angry ocean. Or the sun wouldn't shine for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then we realized that we were in England, so we shifted to France, and, and then the sun came out again, right? Uh, or, or else, or else the, the forest would maybe, would maybe capture some of our friends and swallow them up. They went in there, and they never came out, right? Or the river would flood, you know? And so we start to get angry. So we start to, because these things are processes that work in the world, we animize them, and they, the gods are mostly angry, Right? And in all of our worship of these little demigods as animus, as polytheists, was always trying to get to something that was sort of off the whiteboard, which we could use like this, just capital G-O-D, God. And we tried to worship the little G-O-Ds to try and connect with this capital G-O-D, right? Now, in modern times, we've completely, we do exactly the same thing but we replace all the terminology so that it sounds like science, right? So what we do is we, we think about, uh, in, instead of some of these other things like the sun and, and, and the forest, uh, we talk about things like climate science. And we think about things like uh, ecosystems. Uh, and we might even talk about, uh, you know, just farming, straight up farming. And then farming just leads to straight this other one called the economy, right? And, and we sort of think about these things, and actually these things are controlling us. And maybe climate science is angry. Uh, maybe the economy is angry. And we worry about these things. We never kneel down and worship them, but we think about them a lot. And we sacrifice a lot of time in service of them, all in an attempt to try and get these things to do something for us. Just like the polytheists tried to get the forest to help them out with birds and, the, and the, the sun to help them out with growing crops. Now we want the economy to help us out with giving us prosperity and sort of long life, right? But we know that it was God's plan, the capital G-O-D, God. He loved us so much. He sent His Son so that no one needs to be destroyed, but that by believing in Him, we can have a full and long and everlasting life, right? Watch this. What about this a little bit further, right? So, um, so the evolutionist... In, the, in sort of the more traditional sense, not, not, it changes all the time, but like the traditional evolution idea is you have uh, all these things like um, mutations, uh, and, and then you have, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, 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 running out of ideas here, right? Like, so all this sort of process happens, like so biological changes, uh, evolutionary processes, right? So evolutionary. So you've got this general evolution thing, and it's driven by mutations. It's driven by adaptions, right? Right? And they're all producing, uh, they produce ultimately human beings, and for some reason we've decided we're the top of the tree. Uh, you know, the, maybe the apes are laughing at us, but uh, they've, got some, they've completely hidden how the real world really works. But anyway... Uh, this whole evolution thing produces it, and all of this helps us understand, right, uh, how the world works and try to get a, a picture of how it works. Now, we don't worship any of these things, but we spend a lot of money trying to find out about them. We spend a lot of time thinking about them. We spend a lot of energy focusing on them, right? So we wouldn't say that we worship those, but everyone who looked in at what our cultures are would say, well, those are your gods. 
those are your gods. These are the things you think are the issue. Or, or these are the things that you think are the issue, right? But what about, let's say, what about, uh, you know, your Friday night Courtney Place person? Uh, it's 2 a.m. on Courtney Place. Uh, at 2 a.m. on Courtney Place, those people don't care about the God of the forest or the God of the sea. If you're down there at 2 a.m., you're not thinking about climate science or how the economy is going or whether we're going to have more milk or less milk in this next Fonterra's auction, right? If, that's, if you are thinking about that at 2 a.m. on Courtney Place, you're different to me, right? You're not thinking about the, the Big Bang, right? Have you ever thought about the Big Bang? Here's this Big Bang that throws up all these processes. Do you know another name for Big Bang is just that? So if we can understand all these processes, we'll try and get a handle on this Big Bang, right? But what about, you know, what about someone who says, well, I don't care about any of that. Life's just about pleasure. It's about uh, fun, uh, fun, happiness, enjoyment. So I might take drugs because they're fun. I, 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 might, uh, I, I want as much sex as I possibly can because it makes me feel an enjoyment. I feel, I feel pleasure, right? And, and these all then become, again, just these are all just little G gods. Maybe you don't kneel down and worship sex, but you, do, you put anything else aside if you think you can get it somewhere. Right? Uh, maybe you don't worship fun and enjoyment, but you're certainly not worshiping your exams, are you? Right? Right? <laughs> you, you don't worship them, but you put us, I failed my exam because I spent way too much time drinking, right? What have you done? You've worshiped pleasure over something that had more purpose, right? And then out of it, you're, all of this, you do all of these things, and you're trying to get these little G gods to somehow push you into a, a capital G type nirvana. Or a capital G type paradise, you know, where, where uh, actually where the world comes together in harmony and unity. And not many people talk about these things beyond the lower the lowercase G gods. We talk about these things, but they're all driving to their must. These are little G, these are small processes that could somehow get us to this capital G God. The, the Hebrews would call this guy Yahweh. In English, we've just gone capital G God and lowercase g God. It's probably the most unimaginative way to talk about the central power that controls all of the universe. Oh, we'll just capitalize the first initial. Ah, uh, yeah, there's probably better ways you could do it. I, li- I like the Hebrews, how they, they, they say Yahweh, but then they take all the, the vowels out so they can't even see it, and they just write, they normally just write it like that. So you, it's like an acronym. You can't even say it because it's too holy, right? So let's imagine this is this is how our all, this is how human history's always been. It's always been we we identify these lowercase g. We identify the gods, and just choose your own wherever you grew up, whatever culture you grew up in. There's these lowercase g's, and we worship them to somehow try and get beyond them as well. Try and control them so we can get into a place of either like a nirvana type paradise, utopia, or we get to this capital G God if we can if we can be religious enough, if we can do the right things. I haven't done that one, right? So we're religious. We're, we're, we're as holy as we can be. We're um, pure. Like, so we do all those things to try and please the capital G God. But if we read scripture, that's not how it worked. Jesus didn't wait in heaven for us to try and behave our way there. 
Jesus isn't just nirvana and paradise and we do whatever we can to get that feeling. Jesus isn't, isn't just a climate system or, or, or a biological system that just happened out of nowhere. But we read that God loved us. This is how much God loved us, that he sent his son. So he just sent his son who invaded this whole process and a baby was born in a manger. The baby born in a manger is, is not like... That's a little baby born in a major. It's, it was this Yahweh God decided I need to position myself inside this world that I've made. And for some reason, he chose to appear in a, the most vulnerable way possible. You know, of all of the animals born, there's no other, there's no other living being on earth more vulnerable than a human baby. Like every other mammal baby's way got it together more than a human baby. Every, like, you know, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to come to earth as the most powerful thing, you'd turn up as a virus, right? You're not going to kill that, right? Or, or you'd be a cockroach, a swarm of cockroaches, right? But Jesus comes, God comes, this Yahweh comes, this, this, this creator God appears inside of his own creation in the most vulnerable way possible the weakest way possible you think about it you know we've all seen those, uh, we've all seen those celebrity shows you know uh, uh like like uh like the oscars or maybe you haven't seen those but you you've seen you've been to the fish and chip shop who's been to the fish and chip shop you haven't seen the oscars but you've been to the fish and chip shop uh, so you've sat there read the magazines while you wait for your fish and chips and, and they always have like they always have like this red carpet And there's always this debate about this red carpet, you know. And the red carpet is like, the red carpet's not really, it's not like, wow, red carpet. Wow, we've never seen red carpet before. You can see red carpet in the library and, um, you know, poorly decorated homes. All sorts of places have red carpet. But they're not talking about red carpet. They're talking about the way these celebrities appear. Think about the red carpet. You know, it's, it's not about, uh, uh, you know, the functionality of it. You know, it's a well-worn carpet. You know, it's going to last forever. It's just, it's not about the carpet. It's about who's walking on it, this entrance moment. And what is always the conversation? The conversation is, what were people wearing? What did they dress up like? What did they, what were they wearing? And, and they say things like, you know, um, the, the, the reporters will be standing there. They'll be describing for the radio or they'll be describing for TV. Uh, so-and-so famous celebrity number A has come wearing Prada. And they'll reduce the whole outfit down to one thing. They came wearing Prada. Or they'll say, she wore a such and such. Another designer. I've, I've, I've only got the one idea. All uh, right. Uh, or she wore this or he wore that, right? Hardly ever he who cares, right? She wore this and she wore that. And she saw this and she turned up in this outrageous, you know, and uh, outfit, right? And all of the celebrities they decide what they're going to wear because they're trying to say something about themselves. So in just a snapshot photograph, there's something about them that gets plastered on every magazine and every fish and chop shop. That's their ambition. Every magazine and every fish and chip shop around the world is going to have them there wearing Prada or something outrageous or something conservative, right? Well, think about it. You think about this God... Just watch this. This is classy. You need to see that one. This Jesus arrives, this God, this, this capital G, this Yahweh God. 
<laughs> it's only really funny because I've already done that by accident once today. Um, he arrives as this little baby. He lives a human life. Goes to primary school of the day. is different to now. He gets an apprenticeship, becomes a carpenter. At 30 years old, he spends three years preaching and teaching about who God is. He doesn't just preach. He does miracles, healing the sick, casting out devils. He does all this sorts of stuff. He walks on water. And then he dies this painful death. But miraculously, three days later, he rises from the dead. And his resurrection is witnessed by his closest friends, a bunch of people who don't like him, a bunch of people who hardly know him. And at one point, he appears and meets with 500 people. And he eats with them and instructs them now after. He's been dead three days, right? Then a bunch of his friends see him ascend into heaven, and he's seated now at the right hand of the Father, this guy, Jesus. And then for 80 years, 8-0, for 80 years, all of these people who were followers of Jesus or who became Christians were talking and praying and thinking and writing. And they wrote heaps. They wrote heaps of stuff. They wrote down their reflections. They wrote down what they could remember. And we've got millions of fragments of their documents, letters they wrote to each other, accounts they wrote, remember the time Jesus did such and such. And there's four chief reporters who put the ideas all together. And they wrote the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were the writers. Matthew wrote one, Mark wrote one, Luke wrote one, and John wrote one. They took all of these accounts, millions and millions of ideas and writings and stories, and they just put them together in these tiny little moments, these little books. And it was almost like they're the reporters on this red carpet. God's arrived. Out of, off the edge of the whiteboard, God's arrived into the cosmos. The creator of the cosmos has stepped into the cosmos. And what was he wearing? In a snapshot, just a 30-year life. A 30-year life in all of cosmic time, in a 30-year life, what did he look like? What was he wearing? And it boils down to this. Ari's going to throw it up. He didn't wear Prada. He wore love. He comes off the whiteboard. He comes onto the whiteboard, off the edge of our experience, off the edge of our understanding. He had all of time and outside of time and beyond time and space to decide what to wear, and that's what he wore. He didn't come in judgment. He didn't come in anger. Trust me, there in his wardrobe, he could have worn those. He could have made a bold statement about how wrong we were to turn our backs on him. He could have come down and said, what are you doing worshiping the trees? I made the trees. He didn't come down shouting. He didn't come here screaming. He didn't come here demanding worship. He didn't come here demanding sacrifice. He just turned up like that. If you took the whole of his experience, the whole of who he is, the whole of his reality, and you boiled it down, he turned up on the red carpet of our cosmos wearing love. A love that's sacrificial, a love that's eternal, a love that's unconditional, which means that He loves us, He loves me, despite whatever I do, whatever I've done, whatever I will do, whatever I am, whoever I say I am, whatever I think I am, whatever I think of Him, whatever I say of Him, He loves me. 
He doesn't love me like any human could love me. He loves me beyond that. He doesn't love me because he decided to love me. He loves me because he is love. He can't not love me. It's what he is. It's who he is. It's how he's shaped himself in his relationship to me. See, tonight is a moment that changes all time because that was a moment that changes all time. People say to me all the time, I don't believe in God. But you believe in God's. Maybe this isn't your list. 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 But somewhere you're using some lowercase g powers. Intellect, intelligence, popularity, fame, money. You're using some lowercase g powers to try and control your cosmos and put yourself in the capital G spot. People say, I don't believe in God. And when you ask them another question, what they're really saying is they don't believe in an angry old man sitting on a throne in heaven. Well, I don't believe in that God either. People say they don't believe in God. And and what they're really saying is they don't believe in a God who just hates people and judges people. I don't believe in that God either. You can't believe in a God who doesn't exist. There's not a God in the whole cosmos. There's not a capital G God. There's no Yahweh God who sits just wanting to judge us. There's only a Yahweh God who longs to love us, who longs to reach out to us, who longs for us to have a moment like you're about to have tonight where He can speak to you and you can know He loves you despite what you've done, despite where you go, despite who you are. He loves all of humanity. I believe in a God who loved the world. He loved the world so much, He gave His Son. So that if we choose to, we can believe in that love and be forgiven. We no longer need to be destroyed. See, when we talk about this revolution, it's not an uprising of political power. It's not a revolution where we say, we're going to overthrow. It's a revolution where inside us, instead of serving these powers, We can get beyond all of that stuff and allow the God of the cosmos, the creator of all things, the source of all life and of all power, we can allow Him to reshape us on the inside. We can allow His love to heal our pain. We can allow His love to replace our our failings. We can allow His love to define purpose in our life. We can get beyond meaningless ups and downs and find a life that tracks forward. We can get beyond 80 years and then we die and we can connect with an eternal love that draws us into an eternal existence. God replaces all the rope ladders we were using to reach Him. God wasn't wearing love as a costume. He was just revealing who He is. So tonight, I want to pray for you. And, and there's, there's probably just two groups of people that I want to pray for tonight. First of all, I want to pray for, for each and every one of us. There's a bunch of people here from Equipers Church. There's people here from the Revolution Uni. And there's people that I haven't met yet, but well, I didn't meet before tonight. But maybe you know, oh, you know about this God and you know about Jesus, which is the name we give to God when He appeared on earth. But maybe you've forgotten 
that He replaced all this middle system. All the things that we serve to try and get to Him or try and control Him. Maybe you forgot that actually He just loves you. Maybe you forgot that He has a purpose and a plan for you in His love. I want to, I want to pray for you. I, I guess you could say you're Christian. But I'm praying that tonight would be a moment where you would see more clearly His love for you. That right now would be a moment where you can understand more deeply that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you'll make. That He's designed you for His glory to live in you. I want to, I want to pray for you tonight that this would be a moment that the Holy Spirit would speak to you in a way that transforms you. But maybe you're here and for whatever reason you've never had the opportunity to believe in Jesus. To believe that God loves you. Believe that God would love you enough to send His Son to die in your place. To pay the penalty for your brokenness. To pay the penalty for your shortcomings and your failings. But tonight it's as simple as that scripture I read. God read. God loves us so much. He gave us His Son. So that we don't have to be destroyed. But that if we believe in Him, we can have an everlasting and a full life. Could you, why don't you close your eyes and, and I just want to pray for you. you there's, everyone in this room fits in one of those two groups and I just want to pray. So God, Jesus, I thank you for your presence that's here with us even as we stand or sit and as we pray. God, I thank you that even just simple words prayed out, Lord God, connect through all the cosmos to you, God, a God who's beyond all things, above all things, who's before all things and beyond all things. And Lord, we reach out to you tonight and I reach out to you tonight. And I pray for every person in this room. Lord, I pray your anointing would be here, your power would be here. God, I, I know there's people here who know you. Lord, I pray tonight there'd be a moment, a moment where they would see you more clearly. Understand that you truly love them. God, I thank you that there's perhaps people here who don't know you. And God, I pray that you'd speak to them. Lord, God, I thank you that it's not my job to convince anybody. But that God, you as the creator of the universe, the, the, the being who formed us and breathed us into existence, Lord, you can speak to us. And Lord, I pray right now as I'm praying that you'd be speaking. Lord, to each person here who's, who's not been aware of your love, who's not been aware of your goodness. Maybe even, God, I'm praying for people who've grown up in church, but they've never had a realization deep inside themselves that you love them and that it makes a difference in their everyday. That it's a revolutionary love that transforms their existence and transforms their life. Right now, I just pray that you'd speak to each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Just as you've got your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never, you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, in just one second, I'm going to lead out a prayer. So I'll pray a line of the prayer, and then, then we'll all pray it together. And it's really for people who have, maybe you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus, to acknowledge the fact that God Himself, the Creator of all things, appeared in human form and died in your place, paid the penalty for your sin. What I'll do is I'll pray the words of a prayer to help you pray out to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Become a part of my world. So we'll do that. We'll pray together. And, and if you've never made that decision before, I just want you to pray this prayer. Is that okay? And we'll all pray it together. You just need to add your voice to the chorus. 
Uh, and it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's nothing magical about the prayer. I just want to help you with the words so that you can express to God uh, what's perhaps happening in your heart, even as you're sitting there. Is that all right? Yeah, very good. Here we go. Let's pray together. Uh, dear God, I thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you died in my place. I thank you for loving me. Loving me so much that you'd die. I ask you to forgive me, God, for every wrong thing that I've done. And I'm choosing today to follow you. From today, for all of my life, I ask that you'd be with me. That I would know your presence. And I choose to make you the center of my world from today and forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Awesome. It's a powerful prayer. If you pray that prayer for the first time, or, or maybe you prayed it for the first time really meaning it, or perhaps you've been, you've been doing your own thing, you've been walking away from God, and tonight you chose to pray that prayer to sort of recommit and rededicate your life to God. You, you've got... Three options after praying that prayer. Is that right? I sort of want to make it easy for you. Uh, number one, you could wave your hand at me now. Or number two, you could come and talk to me after we finish the meeting. and I'll just be hanging in the foyer. You could come and talk to me and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Do you know, you don't have to talk to me. You could talk to Ali or you could talk to Ari. Or you could talk to a friend who brought you. You could talk to your mom. It doesn't really matter. You could talk to someone, right? And just say, hey, I prayed this prayer. And I prayed a prayer asking God to forgive me. You know, if you come and talk to me or Ali or Ari, we can get you a Bible if you don't have one. We'd love to help you begin a journey following Jesus and finding out how much He loves you and what a difference He can make in your world. But you know, I think on that, on that visitor card in the book, there's a little space on that visitor card in that book. Oh man, that curly whirly was so yum. Okay, that was so good. Uh, you know, they're one of those lollies or something. Oh, curly whirly. Oh, wow. No? Some other lollies, you're like, yeah, that's awesome. It's like, no, it's actually not. Uh, but that's a bit of a, you know, underrated, underrated. It's underrated in the Curly Whirly. Anyway, once you've eaten the Curly Whirly, there's a little card in that pack. And we'd love it if you throw your details down so we can give you a call during the week. We can help you find an e-group and begin that revolutionary series this week. And we'd love to, we, just, we like friends and uh, we'd love to give you a call and talk about it. But on that, bo- on that card, there's a little box you can tick and just, it just says, I committed my life to Jesus. And so if you grab that card, fill in your details and just tick that box, I committed my life to Jesus. Then when me or Christy give you a ring tomorrow, we can just say, hey, I heard you, you know, you committed that decision. We can, we, we just want to do everything we can to help you understand who God is and how much He loves you. Is that all right? So the options were come and talk to me afterwards, talk to a friend, uh, or fill in that little card. Is that cool? Very cool. Just when you close your eyes one more time, I just want to pray for one. I said I could pray for two groups of people. I don't want to pray one more time. Maybe you're a Christian or whatever. And even as I was talking about love and the love of God, I just get a sense right now, there's a bunch of people who almost had a yeah, whatever type feeling. Where every time someone talks about the love of God, you sort of think it's really about some other people, you know, other people who deserve God's love or other people who haven't made the mistakes that you've made. And just, I've asked everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads because I want to pray for you. If that's you and and you feel so distant from God, you, you know, you feel like, man, He could never be real in your world. Just right now where everyone's got their eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm just looking around. Just 
why don't you lift, open up your eyes, look at me, give me a quick wave and say, yeah, that's me. I feel like that. I feel distant from God. I feel like I'm not worthy of His love. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, just give me a wave. Cool, cool, cool. Anyone else, just give me a wave. I just really, as you respond, I reckon God wants to break something in your heart. Get through this like walls in your heart where you feel distant from Him and He's going to break through in your world. Right now, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, for these ones who lifted their hands saying, yeah, that's, that's what they feel like. And I thank you, God, that you're reaching out to them. And that's why you spoke to me about how they feel. And Lord, I just pray right now, even as they're sitting there, God, Lord, you'd minister into their heart. Lord, you'd, you'd do something of, of your healing work in their life. You'd do something uh, that sets them free, Lord God, that they begin to realize, Lord, you are a God who loves them. You have a plan for them. And Lord, the, the center of who you are is love for people. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Do you know, um, uh, do you know, um, you know Rosa Parks? How many of you have heard of Rosa Parks? Yeah, she's the, she's the old lady on the bus in Birmingham. And she refused to get up and give her seat away to someone who didn't really need it, right? So she broke the bus rules because she was uh, uh, an African-American woman. And she broke the bus rules. And, and really, the whole civil rights movement sort of ignited around this woman because they arrested her and they put her in prison and they sent her to court for breaking a bus rule. That's like in a... That's like going to court for riding your skateboard in the mall, you know? It's like, yes, there's a law, but they don't send you to court for it, right? But some, for some reason, the authorities came down hard on her. But do you know what's something's in, something that's interesting? Is that only three months before, another woman was arrested and went to court and, then, and was fined for breaking the bus rules. Six months or eight months before that, two women and their, one of their sons was arrested. But do you know what's different? It wasn't about the fact that Rosa Parks got arrested or that she refused to go along with the rules because people did that all the time. It was because who she was. Do you know what was different about Rosa Parks? Is Rosa Parks was a seamstress. See? She was a seamstress. She worked in a department store adjusting dresses, right? But you know what? For, for 20 years, she'd worked in a department store adjusting dresses, you know? And how many people know when you have a big occasion like a wedding... You get a dress and you have to get the dress to fit just right. You know, just go with me if you don't really know that. Just go, yeah, I know that. But see, the big occasion in American culture would be, was, is prom night. Right? And all the wealthy families who actually lived on the other side of town to Rosa Parks, the girls would be getting ready for the prom and then be like, oh, the dress isn't quite, isn't just right. So what would they do? They'd ring Rosa Parks. And what would she do? She would travel on those same buses across town to sew up the hems so that these girls could go to the prom feeling confident. It wasn't part of her job. They just knew that she was a seamstress and she was just helping people out. But it just happened to be that all the people who have really flash dresses that go to the prom, they're the daughters of the judges and the lawyers and the mayor and the people who run the Rotary Club and the people who run the African uh, Christian Women's Association. And she was connected in every level in that town. Why? Because when someone needed their dress adjusted, she was prepared to ride a bus across town and do it. What changes the world? Civil disobedience. No, serving people. That whole movement wasn't because she disobeyed on the bus. It only became a movement because she traveled across town to sew up people's dresses. You know, this movement of, of, of God called the church 
the only time we have an impact on the world that's worth anything is when we're serving people. So I want to to challenge you this week between now Sunday and next Sunday, it's a nice little seven-day window. You will have an opportunity every single day to serve someone. And you could think, well, I can't be bothered. Or you could think, no, this is the revolution. And this is how it works. I treat people with kindness and I serve. Is that all right? Very good. I'm going to hand over to Ali. Where is he?